Come on in. Well, this is quite a day we have. Um, for those of you that are a part of our fellowship, you recognize that I've been preaching a short series on the laws of the harvest. And this sermon is actually the last in that series, and then soon we'll be beginning a new series. Um, <clears throat> although this is going to be a little bit different, I recognize it's Camp Sunday and we have camp staff here, this is going to be a little bit different. I decided that what I would do is I would begin this message with a children's sermon. Uh, I don't normally do this. In fact, I think this is my second ever children's sermon. So I feel like I'm getting to be a pro at it. It's a little bit scary. It's out of my wheelhouse. But uh, we'll believe God for help. So, here's what we're doing. All of you kids, ages 11 and younger who are here. Could you come on up front right here and sit on these mats that we have for you? Come quickly. Come on. This is going to be good. You won't want to miss this. Parents, if you need to come with your kids, you can come with your kids. Help them. Whoa. Have a seat. you got to have a seat and face me though. Face me. Have a seat. Squeeze in tight. Come on. Come on. Have a seat. Right over here. Come on. I got a whole mat over here. Come on. Stu, come on and sit with Aunt Sarah. Now, as much as possible, I'd like you to sit on the mats. As much as possible, because, well, it could get messy. Okay, are we all settled now? There we go. Come on, Tamila, we're ready. All right. <clears throat> now, I'm going to be talking to these kids, but you guys get to listen, all right? So, shh. All right. How many of you kids go to school? Any of you kids go to school? Are you homeschooled? Okay. You're going to school and you're going to camp. All right, this is exciting. Oh, we got some more just in case. All right. Okay, listen up. Shh, you can put your hands down. How many of you remember the rules at school? One of the rules, if I'm, if I'm remembering, I haven't been in school in a long time. I haven't been in school in a long time. But one of the rules are, if I ask a question, what should you do if you think you have the answer? Raise your hand. Good. I've even got people out in the audience giving the answer. <clears throat> Thank you for knowing that, Tom. <laughs> okay, so if I ask a question and you think you have the answer, what are you going to do? Raise your hand. All right, good. Okay. Oh, I got to sit down because I'm old. Okay? All right. Shh, shh. Face me, face me. You got to look at me. I need eye contact. I need to see you, Max, because you're so good looking. All right. Do your parents ever tell you bedtime stories? And for this one, you don't have to raise your hand. You can just nod. Do your parents ever tell you bedtime stories? Thank you for that piece of information. All right, do, do your parents read to you, Stu? Yeah, what, what about you, Ruslan? Oh, I'm sorry, I called him Stu, didn't I? It's Max, I'm sorry, thank you. Go ahead, Ruslan. Sometimes she does, but sometimes she doesn't. Well, yes, I see the hand. Oh, not too late past 8 o'clock, because 8 o'clock you have to be in bed? Yeah. You have a new room? That's so cool. Okay. All right. Okay. Shh, shh, shh. Now listen. 
How many of you know the story of... Oh, wait, before I ask you that. Let me tell my stories, all right? All right. How many of you know what season of the year we're in? Do you know seasons yet? Okay. Summer. What are the other seasons? Give me another season. Right. Oh, sh- sh- are you supposed to yell out the answers? Are you? No. Okay. Winter. Uh, well, I, that's summer and winter. What, what's another one? Fall. Or what's fall also called? Autumn. Okay. Or Natalie. What's the other one? Spring. So we have spring, summer, fall, and winter. And Liana, do you have another season? What? Holidays. That's a great season. Whoa. Do you know another season? Another season's vacation. Whoa. And boy, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, shh, shh, hands down, shh. Okay, now, we know what season it is because he told us it's summer. So you got to remember that because that's going to be part of something I'm going to talk about in a minute. Now, we talked about your parents telling you stories. How many of you know the story of um, Jack and the... Jack on the Hill. I bet that's a great story. But the thing I was thinking about is actually Jack and the Beanstalk. Or how about this story? Do you know the story of Johnny Appleseed? Do you know that story? Have your parents ever told you that story? Or school? Your teacher told you, yes. Your dad read it to you? So good. Your parents are great telling you stories. Your teacher's telling you stories. Okay. When you go home, listen, listen. If you don't know the story of Johnny Appleseed, maybe you could ask your daddy or mommy to tell you, all right? Is that cool? Okay. I want to tell you another whole story, though. What? What if they don't have it? You don't even have the book of it? I bet your daddy and mommy could tell you the story without the book. Oh, they don't know the story. Will you tell your daddy and mommy to come and see me and I'll tell them the story, all right? Okay. I want to tell you a story. And you've got to listen up, okay? So, you've got to be quiet, all right? I want to tell you the story of Jimmy and the... What did I say? Jimmy and the watermelon. (laughs) Right there. Okay, we've got two guys who are ready. They're going to cut this up. Can you guys cut this up for us quick? Let's see. Whoa, look at that. That's a sharp knife. Stay away from it. Sit still. Don't move. How many of you like watermelon? You don't like watermelon? Wait a minute. Are you guys having a conference here together? <laughs> Do you like watermelon? Do you eat watermelon though? Do you eat watermelon? You don't eat watermelon? What about Stu? Stu, you're not on the mat. Do you like watermelon? Okay, you've got to get on the mat then. You've got to sit on the mat. And I... You don't like watermelon, do you? You do? No, I'm talking to Gideon. Yeah. You hate watermelon. That's good to know. Thank you very much. But get this. You can put your hand down. Each of you who wants a piece is going to have a piece of watermelon today. Is that cool? Okay. How many of you big people like watermelon? Sorry, you can't have any. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Yeah, you can start handing this out. We, we, we're going to give you a piece of watermelon and a bowl. What do you think the bowl might be for? The, to juice it. 
Okay, it might be. But what's inside of the watermelon? Seeds. So when you eat it, what do you do? You spit the seeds out in the bowl. Is that cool? How many of you like to spit? Yeah. I'm just asking. Whoa, look at these guys go at it. All right, we're going to need some help, I think. Um, well, then you have to take the seeds out. Here you go. Here you go. Okay, Natalie. Take one. Here, here you go. Okay, you don't want one or do you? You guys want some? Here you go. What about you? You. You want one, Stephanie? Okay. Alright, we have enough left. I need some help. You guys up here, front row, come on down. Have a seat right here. Come on right over here. Okay. Here's some watermelon. Here, pass this right around among you guys. Got it? Pass it around. Okay. All right, I need some... Who else would like some watermelon? Okay, some of you campers, come on up over here. Spread right around. On the floor. You guys got to be careful of your own seeds. All right, thank you. I, come on. Come on right up here close. Uh, Dad, can you... Oh, Tamila. Okay. Can you guys look at me now? Shh. Shh. Turn around and face me. Alexa, sit on the mat and turn around and face me. There you go. Jocelyn, turn around and face me while you're eating. Okay? And if you get done and you want more, we actually have a little bit more. Okay, so if you say, I want another piece, that's fine with me. I don't know about your parents, but they're not up here, most of them. Okay? Okay. Can you eat and listen at the same time? Okay. You can. Thank you. So, you're going to be quiet. Shh. Shh. You can. You're going to sit and be quiet. You want another piece? Okay, they're here to help you. But you, if you want another piece, listen. You can raise your hands, but you can't talk. You have to listen to me, okay? Sit down while you're waiting. Sit down all the way. Thank you. Thank you. They're doing good. They're doing great. Okay, listen to this story now. This is about Jimmy. Shh, shh. You've got to listen or else you won't know the story. This is about Jimmy and the watermelon seeds. Yeah, it's going to be a good story. Jimmy, listen, Jimmy was a part of a big family. He had five brothers and sisters. And he was the second child from the top. So he was about nine years old. But their family was going through a hard time. It was summer. Shh, shh, shh. You got to listen. Alexa, shh. It was summertime, and their family was poor. Their daddy had lost his job, and he didn't have any money hardly at all. And mommy knew that the whole family was feeling really, really bad about all of stuff in life. It just wasn't going good. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of place where it just seems like things aren't going really well right now. But things weren't going well for them. And Jimmy's mommy found some coins under the cushions in her couch. She was cleaning one day and she found some quarters and dimes and nickels and pennies and she added it all up and she said, well, it's not much, but maybe it can buy something. So she went down to the local market and they had just gotten a delivery of watermelons. Fresh watermelons. And she thought, well, 
It's not the normal season for it. These came from Florida. They live up here where we live. I think they live in Seneca Falls. I'm not sure. But they, they live up near here. And, um, and so she said, I think this will be a great treat for our family. So she took it home and she showed the whole family this big watermelon and said, we're going to have watermelon after dinner tonight. This is so exciting. And so she put it on the kitchen counter and she went about her day cleaning. If you want more, just raise your hand. <laughs> Including you older kids. She put it on the counter and she went about her cleaning. And Jimmy kept standing there and staring at the watermelon. He kept thinking, oh, this watermelon would be so good. I'm so hungry. I don't know if I can wait. And some friends came by and they saw the watermelon sitting on the counter. <clears throat> and so they started talking about how good the watermelon would taste. It, it would be so great on a hot day. They could have nice cold watermelon. It's so sweet. It's so good. And you know what they decided to do? They took that watermelon out back in their yard, around the corner, a little bit away from the house, and they broke the watermelon open. And they started eating it together. And all of a sudden, after a little time had passed, they realized, what are we going to do? The watermelon's all gone. They had been eating the watermelon, enjoying it, spitting out the seeds just like you, but... Now it's all gone. What are we going to do? So what do you think they did? What do you think they did? Oh, I bet they were. After eating a whole watermelon. Okay. What they did was they dug holes and put the rinds and the seeds in the hole and covered it back over. And then the kids went home because they're afraid, uh-oh, we're going to get in trouble. They went home and Jimmy went into the house. And mom's still cleaning. She doesn't know what's going on. And then she gets done cleaning and it's time to make dinner and she comes back into the kitchen and she realizes there's something wrong. What's wrong? The watermelon's gone. The watermelon's gone. And she looks all over the place for the watermelon. She can't find it. And finally she goes into the living room where her whole family is gathered and she said, does anybody know what happened to the watermelon? And dad said, no, I don't know. And the other five kids said, I don't know, mom. Do you know what Jimmy said? Jimmy said, mom, I think a robber broke into our house and stole that watermelon. What's that called? A lie. A lie. He lied. But mom knew, I mean, mom had to know that, come on, no robber broke into the house. So probably Jimmy knew more than he was saying, right? So she decided she would just let it go, not make a big deal about it. So they had dinner, and Jimmy went to bed that night. And he felt really bad because he knew he had done wrong. He had not only done wrong, he had lied about it. He didn't confess it. He lied. And that night, he could hardly sleep. He felt so guilty. But then the next day came, and he went back to bed, and he felt a little guilty. And more time passed, and pretty soon, he forgot all about it. Until months had gone by. About two months later, Jimmy and his mom and dad were out in the yard playing catch. And the ball went wild, and they ran over to a corner of their property behind a shed to get the ball. And do you know what they found? A watermelon. They found a watermelon plant. And mom and dad looked and said, that's so odd. We didn't plant a watermelon here. How do you think this might have happened? And Jimmy did it. And finally, Jimmy came clean. He told his mom and his dad what he had done that they had eaten the watermelon and they hid it and then he lied and he felt bad. He cried about it and he told mom and dad the truth. Now, there are a couple lessons you could get from this. 
you could get the lesson from Numbers 32.23. Numbers 32.23 is a good verse to know. Do any of you know it? No. Numbers 32.23 says this. Listen up. Listen, Natalie. Look at me. Numbers 32.23 says, Be sure your sin will find you out. That's a good lesson to know. But that's not the lesson I want you to get. The lesson I want you to get is, whether you know it or not, whether it's watermelon seeds or not, you're always planting seeds somewhere, somehow. Everything that you say, listen, everything that you say, the words you say, and the things that you do are seeds that you're planting. Okay? Isaac, do you know that you're planting seeds at home by the things that you say to your brother and your sister? Brothers and sister? Do you know that? And the things that you do, they're planting seeds all around you. And those seeds are going to grow. And one day, you're going to have a harvest. And if you plant things like lying or selfishness, sit up, Alexa. Sit up. Be a good girl. You're going to harvest those. They're going to come back to you. But if you plant good seeds like kindness, generosity, which means being willing to give to help people, if you're willing to do what your mom and dad say in your chores without complaining, you're planting seeds that are going to come back. Now, one of the seeds that I used to plant when I was a kid, I grew up in a family. My family was bigger than Jimmy's family. My family was 13 kids. 13. Way. Way. Okay, shh. Nine of those are still living. Nine. And one of the seeds I used to plant a lot was just like Jimmy. I used to lie a lot. I lied to get out of trouble. My mom and dad would say, did you do your chores? And I'd say, yeah, I did my chores. But I didn't do them because I didn't want to do them. I just didn't feel like doing them. I thought it was too much work. And I lied. Or... They would say, did you tell so-and-so something? And I'd say, yeah, I told them. And I didn't. It was a lie. So one of the things I had to confront in my life was the seeds of lying. I had to come to a point where I realized I'm not supposed to lie. I'm supposed to tell the truth. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says, Therefore, putting away lying... Let each one speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. We have to speak the truth at all times. We have to tell the truth. So one of the things I had to confront was that. Well, one of the ways you combat lying is by when you lie, you catch yourself and say, wait a minute, that's not quite right. And you correct it right away. Or if you lie and you realize you lie, you go back to mom and dad and you say, what I said wasn't the truth, and I'm so sorry. You tell the truth. So, what is the lesson, and I want you to raise your hands for this, what's the lesson that you get from Jimmy and the watermelon seed? Liana. You don't lie? Okay. What other lesson do you get? Yes. I'm sorry? You shouldn't lie. Good. Anything else? Yes. You reap what you sow. Yes, Natalie. To plant watermelon. There's always got to be one of them. Yes, Ruslan. To not lie. The lesson I want you to remember is this. Okay, listen to me. Shh. Listen. The lesson I want you to learn is this. Look at me. What you plant, you're going to reap. 
Reap means you get a harvest. Like you plant a seed in the ground and you get a plant back. Like a flower or a watermelon. So, right, what you plant is going to grow and soon it's going to have to have a harvest, okay? That's what I want you to remember. So, are you done with your watermelon? Yeah? Yes? Are you done? Okay. What we want you to do is to wipe your hands off now. We have wipes for you. Go ahead, hand them out to them if you would, Rustam, quickly. And then I want you, after you've washed your hands, to go back to your parents quietly while I talk to them about a few things. Was the watermelon good? Was it? No, all right. Wipe your hands, and then you can go back to your parents. We could fold those up. Okay, now, okay, you can go back to your parents now. Good job. Great job. Thank you so much. And if there's any watermelon seed on the floor here, they will grow. <clears throat> now, for you slightly bigger people, I've been talking to our church about the laws of sowing and reaping, the laws of the harvest. And I've already given them four, but it comes from a text. So if you have your Bibles, would you open up to Galatians chapter 6? Galatians 6. And I want to go through this fairly quickly. I know it's Camp Sunday and you have things to do and everybody's excited about it, but I want to finish today. I've given you four of the laws of the harvest. I want to finish today with the other three very quickly. But let us read our text. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians. It's before Thessalonians. Keep coming back. Quite a bit of ways. Oh, you got too many other things in there. What is this? I can't read your Bible because you got too many other pages in there. Character building things and I'm waiting, Isaac. Come on, Isaac. Keep going. No, keep going. Pass there. Next book. Next book. Right? Galatians 6. Whew-wee, man. I didn't realize it was so hard. Galatians 6, verse 7, if you'd follow along. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now I said I've already given you the four. Let me give you the four real quick, especially for you who have not been here. The first law of the harvest is we harvest only what has been planted. Very simply, if you want to harvest in your life, you have to plant something. Make sense? Number two, we harvest the same in kind. By the way, I put up a little picture there for you if you could do that. Anything you don't feed dies. We need to take time to feed ourselves spiritually. So, you want to harvest in your life spiritually? Feed something, okay? Number two, we harvest the same in kind as we plant. He says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows. In other words, what are you planting in your life in fact, what I said to our congregation very clearly is, a good way to look at this is, what are you harvesting now and do you like what you're harvesting? Do you like the results of your life? Do you like your life? And if you don't, is it possible your life is not the consequence of your parents or your teachers or your church? 
Maybe your life is, and please hear me, your fault. You get what you plant. You continue to plant what you're planting, you're going to continue to get the same results. If you do the same thing over and over again and think you're going to get different results, that's a form of insanity. So, you have to recognize we harvest the same in kind as we plant. Number three, we harvest in a different season than we plant. Or, to use what the world uses is, what goes around comes around. Or what comes around goes around. Whatever it is. It's the idea that ultimately, though we're going to harvest in a different season, there is going to be a harvest. And you might think that you've gotten away with it because some days have gone by on the calendar. But you ain't gotten away with anything. God is not mocked. God can't be fooled just because a couple days go by. What you plant, there will be a harvest. And for some of you, that's terrible news. Because you know you've planted some things that are not so good. But this is also really good news. Because for some of you, you still got a lot of life left in you. You can start planting some different things right now that's going to make a difference in your life. Number four, finally, we looked at we harvest more than we plant. You don't plant a kernel of corn in the ground and expect to get a kernel. You expect to get a stalk with ears of corn with several kernels. And so when we read the newspaper and we read about these unbelievable things that happen where this thing blows up and we think, how could this guy go into the theater and kill the... What was going on? There's a lot of planting that went on before. And then the harvest, the consequences are much, much greater than what you could expect. So that you read it and you think, this just doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. You're reaping more than what was sown. So what I want to do now is I want to give you the other three lessons, but I want to remind you, although for some of you, you're looking at your life and say, I know, look at my life. I'm, I'm bearing the consequences of things that I did, things that I said, seeds that I planted again and again, and I don't like it. Well, the good news is it's not too late to change the course of your life. That's the good news of redemption. It's never too late. And by the way, one of the amazing things about God that we sang about today is God is good. God is merciful. So even though you've planted some things, my recommendation to you is not just to say, well, I planted things, I've got a harvest that's coming up, I don't like it, but there's nothing I can do about it. My recommendation to you, based upon the Word of God, is you cry out to God for mercy. You repent. Say, God, I did this. Maybe it's with your kids. I planted some things I never should have. I used to joke with my kids and say, when you grow up, you're going to make me pay for your counseling. Because I knew I was a bad father. I wasn't good at it. I did my best at that time, but I wish I could do it all over again. I would be a completely different father. But here's the thing. I can't undo what I did in my kids, but I can cry out to God for mercy for them. And the truth is, their lives are a reflection not so much of my parenting. Their lives are a reflection of the grace and mercy of God. And that's true for all of us as parents. So, I want to give you the other ones. Number five. If you're taking notes, number five. We harvest in proportion to how we plant. This could seem contradictory to the last one, but it's not. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, But this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The principle I want you to catch is it's not easy to change the course of your life. It's hard work. It takes some of you, and I want you to think about this. Some of you come to me at times or to others for counseling. You've got this issue in your life and you realize it's not a good thing. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's both. And You want to change it. You say, God, I don't want to live like this. This is not what I want in my life. You cry out to God. What I want you to keep in mind is it has taken you your lifetime to get to where you are right now. Changing it's not going to be automatic. It's not going to be quick. It's going to take a lot of hard work. 
if you want to see your, your river of life change its course. Hard work. I believe that hard work will pay dividends, though. Uh, I grew up on a small mom-and-pop farm. We only had about 75 acres total, and about 15 of it were woods. But we would plow our grounds, disc our grounds, drag it. Then we would cultipack it in order to make sure all of the soil was prepared for the seed that we were going to plant. My dad wanted to make sure the rows were straight, everything was the way it ought to be. Uh, I mean, before anybody knew about OCD, that was my dad. He wanted everything just so. I can remember one time I was out uh, running the cult packer, and, uh, which is just a little, like uh, it looks like a disc, except for just leaves nice even rows for the seeds to be planted. And I can remember my rows were not straight. And my dad said to me, I want you to eye up that tree and I want you to drive straight. Don't worry about looking back. You look ahead and you keep your line straight. And he made me do the whole field again until the rows were straight. But once you get the ground prepared, everything is ready. And by the way, all through the winter and early spring, we've been putting manure on it from our animals ready to prepare for the seed so it's going to grow with rich nutrients. But that's not enough just to have good soil. You have to have good seed. And I can remember my dad, every year, taking my mom and I downstairs, and we had a potato bin where we would grow a lot of potatoes. And we would take those potatoes that by this time had gotten soft and mushy a little bit. But we would take those potatoes and we would sit there and with barrels in front of us, we'd take them out of the bin and we would cut them up. And each piece of potato had to have an eye in it. Potatoes have eyes. Did you know that? Just like Mr. Potato had. And so we'd have to make sure every single piece of potato had at least one eye in it. And so we would take that and we'd collect them all, we'd put them in burlap bags, and then we would go out to our rows that we had prepared and we would plant them one at a time in the soil. Then we would go ahead and mound up dirt around it so that it would have protection and groom to grow down. And we would make sure everything was perfect, row straight, all mounded up so nicely, all healed up, we would call it. But that wasn't enough. Because once the plant started to grow and came out of the ground, do you know what else came out of the ground with it? Weeds. And my dad didn't believe in using pesticides. He thought they would ruin the food. That was before we knew anything about organic. We just knew didn't want pesticides. So everything that we planted came from our own farm. We took care of it that way. And so we had to go out and we had to weed by hand. And, I'm not, and I know for some of you, you think, well, yeah, you have to weed. We've got this little patch. We, I'm talking about rows that would go from the front of our church to our road. It was one row. And we would have 100 rows of potatoes or something like that. Long rows. And we would have to bend over and weed by hand every single one. And my dad made sure you learned how to weed. You couldn't just grab that weed and pull it. You had to make sure you pulled it and got the roots out too. And then as it grew more, do you know what else began to develop on these potato plants? Potato bugs. And so my dad would make us take tin cans and go through, and you had to turn over every leaf and get the potato bugs and put them by hand into these cans. And then we'd take them to the end of the row. We would pour them out on the ground, pour gas on them, and light them on fire and burn them. We had to keep our potatoes just so. It was hard work. And then when it came time for the harvest, you think, oh great, this is fun. No, we had to make sure that we were digging deep enough not to hurt one of these precious little potatoes because Dad didn't want to waste one. But here's my point. It took a lot of hard work to get the kind of harvest we did. Right across the road from our house was Datsun's Farm Market. Freddie Datsun owned that. He had hundreds and hundreds of acres of vegetables. But he grew potatoes too. And every year I would look at our potato yield. How many potatoes we got and what kind of potatoes, how big they were, what, what the value was. And I would look at our acreage and I would compare it with Freddie's acreage and ours was always more potatoes and better potatoes than Freddie's. Why? I believe it's because we took time and put hard work into it. Well, this principle is it takes hard work to plant good seed and to make a difference in your lives. And I'm here, I'm not talking about quantity of seeds. I'm talking about quality of seed. What is it that you want to see? Think about it with the end in mind. Okay? What do you want your life to look like in 20 years? For some of you, that's hard. It's like, 
20 years, man, I think I'll be dead. 20 years old, that's old. I can remember when I was 20 thinking that, you know, 30 was old. I didn't want to reach 30. Then you didn't want to reach 40. Then you didn't want to reach 50. Now I'm going on 60 and I'm thinking, okay, it's all just a number. But what do you want to look like in a few years? Are you planting stuff to help that to happen? Are you nurturing it? Are you weeding it? Are you watering it? Are you picking the bugs off in order to make sure it happens? One of the greatest gifts God gives us, and I want you to hear me, one of the greatest gifts that God gives us is time. He's giving you time. Each one of you has some time. You have today. Today can change some things if you purpose to. Maybe when you got up today, Sunday was a hectic day. And on the way here, maybe even before you got in the car, you had some sharp words for your spouse. Today would be a good day to change that. To lean over. You don't even have to wait for me to finish preaching. You can lean over to your spouse now and say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I was short with you for no reason. Maybe there were reasons. Maybe you could think of reasons. But the truth is, there's no excuse for bad behavior. And I want to plant something different for my marriage or for my friends. You camp staff, you're going to go to camp this week. Why not start now with what you want to see camp happen? You want to see these kids have an encounter with God? You have an encounter with God. You press in for the presence of the Lord and believe God to make a difference. Number six, two more. We harvest the crop of good only if we persevere. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart or give up. So many of us uh, are great at starting things. We're not so good at finishing. We start in spurts. We try something for a while. Uh, I've lost a little bit of weight, you know, and uh, I've had people say to me again and again, how did you do it? And my general answer is a lot of hard work in one day at a time. And invariably, I, I was at senior camp and somebody asked me. I started to answer him and he said, no, 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 I don't want to hear all about the work. I want to hear what was the easy thing. Did you have surgery or did you take a pill? No, it was one day at a time working hard and, hear me, not giving up. Do you think there have been days when I got up that I didn't feel like doing that? Or that in the middle of my workout I didn't feel like quitting? I'm walking at the Y on Saturday. It was raining, so I had to go to the Y. I couldn't go outside. I'm walking at the Y, walking at a fairly fast pace. Um, it would be about a 12-minute mile. And uh, I'm walking around, and the whole way I have this one mantra. I go through the scriptures that I've memorized. I do that first thing. And then I pray, I meditate. But then the rest of the time I have this one mantra going around and around in my head. Every time I make a loop, I'm saying it to myself. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Just keep moving. Inside, I want to quit. My legs are tired. I'm tired. Is it worth it? Is one day going to matter? And I keep saying to myself, just keep going. And I want to say to you, just keep going. Don't give up. Years ago, a man in this church was having some financial problems, and he came to the pastor and elders for some advice. It was before my time. But one of our elders, his name was Wes Warner, he was an elderly man. Uh, he was actually born the same day as Ronald Reagan. Um, Wes said, I want to take some time and pray. Wes was a very godly man, and he prayed. And he came back to this man and he said, I don't understand this, but I feel so strongly that the Lord told me that if you will do this one thing, He will turn your financial situation around. He said, Tell me and I'll do it. He says, I want you to pray every single day for the peace of Jerusalem. He says, What's that got to do with my money? He says, I don't know. But as I prayed, that's what God told me. Didn't make sense, but that's what God told me. So this man said, okay, I'll do it. So he went away, came back less than a month later, and said to the pastors, I, I, we're in terrible shape. I don't know what's going on. And the pastor said, did you do what Brother West said? He said, well, I did it for a couple of weeks and nothing changed, so it's not worth keep doing. 
Now, can I just be honest with you for a minute? I don't know if doing what Brother West said would have made any difference at all. Maybe it was just some weird thing that he had after eating pizza one night. I don't know. But this brother will never know if it would have made a difference because he didn't keep going. Perseverance matters in this life. It's a matter of keeping going. Uh, Haven't you housewives found something? Haven't you found that letting your house go for one week or two weeks, things begin to deteriorate fast? You know, you clean your house regularly. I know you do. You vacuum, you dust, you clean, you mop. But you decide this one week I can let it go. And it begins to go downhill fast. i got to confess, uh, I, I'm a little bit like my dad. I have a little bit of this OCD thing going on in me. A um, little bit. But I like things clean. I like things neat. I don't like mess. I don't like walking into my secretary's office and seeing a mess on the desk. Even if you've got piles on the desk, I want the piles to be orderly, and I want the piles to be for a reason. So if you came down to my desk, I've got some piles. But every pile has a reason, and it's there because I know it's the next thing that's going to happen. So I want things neat. I also like things clean. I like a clean shower. I like my shower to be clean. My bathtub, my shower shrunk. So I have this thing called scrubbing bubbles that you can scrub the sides of it, and it scrubs it right down. It cleans it real nice, shiny. And I can clean it. And I know this. If every day when I'm done showering, I take the little wand shower head and I spray the doors and the wall, it will keep the soaps come down. And it'll look good. And I do that daily. Until one day I'm in a hurry and I say, I don't got time today. And I don't do it. And that one day makes it easier for me the next day to not do it. And the next day to not do it. And you let it go a week or two weeks and all of a sudden you're right back where you were. It takes perseverance to keep going. One incident, hear me, one incident in your life, one stupid decision about your finances can affect you for all of your life. One time that you think you can get away with it from the law can mark you forever. One incident. Which is why it's so important that we keep going. Now, I know that Even these kinds of laws can come across heavy. I know they can. And I don't mean them that way, but they are serious. And some of you here are in hard situations. As I was praying about this week, I felt like some of you are in hard situations right now, and you're like, God, I don't want this. It's going on. I can't stop it. You know, whether it be the creditors coming against you and they're calling, they're bombarding your house, or maybe it's the law showing up at your house. Or maybe it's your kids not doing what you know you want them to do, what you raised to do. But you're facing things that are so hard right now and you're waiting on God to change things. Maybe it's in your marriage. You're waiting on God. You're crying out to God for mercy daily. And you've begun to plan some different things and you're saying, God, I need you. And I felt like the Lord wanted me just to say to you very simply, hang on. Help is on the way. In fact, If I could put it this way, I would put it the way we used to sing this song. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Rescue the weary one. Your God will surely come. He will come and save you. I felt like the Lord said to say to you, He's coming. Don't give up. And it's not just because of the sermon. As I was praying, that wasn't in there. And I just felt so strongly God say, you need to tell them to hang on. Help is on the way. It's going to change as you continue the hard work of planting and diligently caring with perseverance and commitment what it is that you're doing. Number seven. There is nothing we can do about last year's harvest, but we can do something about this year's harvest. One of the things that I struggle with in my own life is it's easy for me to live in the past. The things that I have done wrong are far bigger in my mind than anything I've ever done right. In fact, most times I would say I haven't done anything right, I've done everything wrong. And it's easy, it's easy for me to live here with all the stuff that I've done wrong. 
But I want to suggest to you that's not a good place to live. It's not even a good place to hang out for a while. In fact, people used to write me letters, and I would get letters uh, from people that some of them were very, very nice, kind, gracious. Some of them said things that I knew that people had to be lying because it can't be true about me. But I'd get letters. But I also got some not-so-nice letters. Not a lot over the years, but I'd get some. I can remember the time I got a letter in our first church from a guy who told me uh, they left the church because I had the spirit of the Antichrist. Well, me being me, I kept all of those letters. I didn't keep any of the good letters, none of them. I'd look at them, I'd say, yeah, they're just being nice, and I'd throw them away. But I'd keep all the bad letters because I knew they were true. And every once in a while, just to help myself, I'd read them, like once a year. I'd go through and read all my bad letters. Just so I could feel good about myself. I want to suggest to you that if there's anybody who knows this principle, it's me. You can't change what you did back then. And if you have repented and given it over to God, and sometimes, if it's appropriate, repented to people who are involved, then that stuff's in the past and it needs to stay in the past. And you need to not bring it up anymore. Sister Corey Ten Boom used to say, God took all of your past sins, all of your sins, and he threw them into the sea of forgetfulness. And then he planted a sign at the shore that said, no fishing here. You need to stop going back and pulling it up, dredging up all the muck and mire of your lives. You can't change the past, but you can have the opportunity to change the future if you will begin to... In fact, in God, the harvest season isn't just nine months. In God, the harvest season can be much shorter if you will begin to plant some good seed right now. And for some of you, that's good news because your family needs some different results than what you've had. You don't like what you see. Well, begin to plant some better seeds. Over the years, uh, Karen and I, my wife and I, have had some really stupid fights. Um, well, not that I can think of any good fights. Um, can't think of any right now anyways. We've had some stupid fights. And invariably, because of the Lanaville system, that's how we grew up, when you're upset with somebody, you pull back. You put distance between you. And it might not even be physical distance. You might still be sitting across the same table at the same restaurant, but there's distance, and you can feel a coldness come. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, you, I'm not the only one who does this. But you can feel the distance, and the conversation begins to go downhill pretty quick. In fact, when I say the conversation goes downhill, there is no more conversation. You just sit there in silence. You're both upset. You're not even necessarily sure why you're upset because you haven't had time to process it. But something was said that hits you and it's like everything in you pulls back. And you're quiet. And that's happened for us, I can't tell you how many times over the years, as Karen said to one of our premarital counsel, counselees recently, we've had to fight for our marriage. We're two strong-willed people and I am the worst sinner on earth. Uh, I do stupid, stupid things. So we've had these fights, but here's the point. Invariably, whether at the restaurant or more often than that, in our car or sometimes in our living room where we're talking, Kayvon will reach over and she'll take my hand and she'll say, enough is enough. Even if we're not happy with each other now, we're still together, we still love one another, and we're going to make it. And here's my point. You have to take the first move. You don't like how things are? You make the move. You be humble enough to say, I'm willing to make the first move to change. And by first move, I don't mean going to them and say, I know you're upset and you're angry and I think it's all your fault, but I'm trying to be nice. That's not what I'm talking about. It's you going to them and you say, I don't even know for sure what's going on. I know I must have done something. I'm sorry I want our relationship to change. I want us to begin to function differently. And I've said to you that Karen and I have had a lot of stupid fights over the years. The frequency of those has diminished so much that it's just shocking to me, honestly. I see it solely as the mercy and grace of God. How could we, could, 
how we could get any better is amazing to me. But we do. We continue to press. We continue to plant seeds for our marriage. Because ultimately, one of the things I've noticed, in fact, Kayra and I were just talking with somebody about it the other day. If you were to look at our graduating class at Elam Bible Institute, the vast number of people of that class who got married are now divorced. And many of them waited for the kids to grow up and go, and then they just said, okay, we're done. I don't want to be that. I want to live out my days with Kayron Lonneville. I have dreams of us. Well, I hope we're in better shape. But I was going to say, like her parents, sitting in the same room and just talking. You can't hear each other, so you yell at each other. Not because you're angry, because you can't hear anymore. Or maybe we'll have one of those you know, uh, megaphone things to our ear that hear better. I don't know. But that's part of my dream. I'm hoping we're in better shape. But I want to grow old with her. And I want my kids to know you can make it through all of your life as a married couple. I want my grandkids to know that grandma and grandpa made it. And they made it better than they even started. So we continue to plant better seeds. So my challenge to you today is, are you willing to take the opportunity that God is giving you right now to begin to plant some different seeds? In whatever arena of life that you're thinking of, maybe your finances, maybe your marriage, maybe your family, maybe at work, maybe at school, I don't know. Are you willing to begin to plant some better seeds? You say, I don't like all the harvest that I've been getting. I want a different harvest. I want something better to come of that which I plant. If your heart today is very simply, I'm committing before God today to begin to plant some better seeds. Right now, I want to see a harvest in years to come that is going to be a blessing, that's going to reflect the favor of God upon my life. I want to plant some different seeds. If that's you, I'm going to invite you just to stand right where you are and say, I want to do that. I'm committing to that today. Don't stand if you're not going to commit. Because you can say things easily here. It's whether you live it out there. So if that's your heart, just stand and say, that's me. I want to do this. I want to plant some different seeds. Some better seeds. I want to be a better example as a father. I want my words to my kids to be better. I want to see the potential in them that God has graced them with gifting and calling. I want to do better. So you're standing. That's your commitment. Can you do it in your own strength? No. You need Him. So, why don't you lift your hands to the One who alone can help you. Close your eyes and just say, God, I need You. I commit before You. I need You, God. I need You to do this. I can't do it myself. I need You to come and save me. Because I've done things in the past that just they drive me nuts how crazy I am sometimes. But God, I commit before You today. I'm going to begin to plant even though they're small seeds, first steps, I'm believing they will produce a bountiful harvest. And I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. When everything around me doesn't look good, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep sowing. And I'm going to sow good seed. And where I've sown bad seed, God, I repent of that right now. I repent sincerely before You. God, I'm sorry. That's not who You made me to be. You called me to be a son or a daughter of God. A king or a queen. A prince or a princess in the kingdom of God. And I've lived beneath that. And God, I'm sorry. And I ask You to change that in me. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I commit each one who has their hands raised to You, and I include myself, I commit each one to Your care that You would give us courage and strength to actually begin to change the very course of our lives. That we begin to think differently, begin to act differently, begin to speak differently, begin to do things differently. Because we know they're better seeds. And every seed that is planted, just like Jimmy and the watermelon, it's going to have a harvest at some point. God, I want a harvest that I can be blessed by, that I can be grateful for. 
Lord, where we have blown it. And we have. Every one of us here in this room has blown it at times. We not only have repented of that today, we put it in our past. I can't change that, but I can move forward without allowing it to become a chain and an anchor upon my life. God, by Your grace, I purpose to look forward and not back. I purpose to live my life with freedom because it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let Your grace and Your Holy Spirit do it. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Now go do it.